In the wonderful name of Jesus, we call upon Your precious name and Your Holy Spirit to just turn on the light in our heart. Just fill us with Your grace, a touch of Your mercy, and Your loving kindness. As we hear Your Word shared tonight, may it minister to us and speak to us in our personal lives. In Jesus' name, Amen. Alrighty. Uh, as uh, those of you who have been uh, kind of following our series of uh, lessons, they're not series. It's the series that I'm teaching. Um, I'm just speaking on some different things. And tonight, i uh, going to be sharing with you, uh, from a title standpoint, something you're going to find very unusual but I think you'll understand it. Somewhat like last time when we talked about Buster. Remember him? And uh, uh, how well that, that fit into what we were teaching. Tonight I want to talk about the unforgettable game. Uh, and the reason I want to talk about this is because, you know, out here in West Texas in Lubbock, goodness, is not nearly everybody a sports fan of one kind or another? Now, maybe not everybody, but... This is sports town. People love sports. I mean, they're married to sports. Um, none of y'all have ever been to my basement in my house. But if you went down to that basement, you would see one of the largest collections of sports memorabilia that you've ever seen. There's memorabilia from everywhere because I like sports. There's football. There's basketball. There's uh, NASCAR, you know, I've got a standing picture of Dale Earnhardt Sr. and Jeff Gordon. I mean, when we went to Daytona one year. So uh, then some of the greatest baseball players, they're all down there. Uh, pictures of when uh, the new Texas Stadium opened and all of our family went together and uh, we enjoyed one of the suites there. Uh, but And, and then uh, uh, some uh, golf trophies back in the good days when I could play. And my son and I, uh, we'd go up to Rio Dosa and win a tournament up there uh, time after time. So anyway, a lot of sports memorabilia. Just to kind of back up, uh, well, you know, we love sports. I've got a hand-engraved uh, jersey from Troy Aikman that he wore in a game. So, I mean, I'm, and I'm proud of those things. A full-length picture of Tom Landry. Those things are memorable. Why do I mention them? Why are they important? There, yeah. Barry Switzer is signed to football. Thank you for bringing it up. I didn't. <laughs> Got a Bob Knight basketball. So, I mean, there's a number of different things. But, you know, the Barry Switzer, you want me to tell you how many games they won on there? So, <laughs> uh, uh, it's there. Yeah. Um, and. And, Paul, here's one for you. There is a full picture in crimson and cream of the OU Stadium and all their national championships. National championships. Heisman Trophy winners. Okay, let's move along. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, uh, yes. Do you have a picture of when Texas Tech beat Oklahoma here? 
<laughs> it wasn't newsworthy. <laughs> yeah. Oh, the one where he really fumbled the ball, but they let him keep it. I remember that. <laughs> and they scored a touchdown. I remember that quite well. <laughs> yeah. Let's let's move on. Okay. <laughs> so see, we all we get our heart into it. You know, we get our emotions into it. I mean, you're Texas Tech fans, and that's great. I mean, think of all the memories. I mean, who can forget, you know, uh, Graham Harrell, that pass to Michael Crabtree against the University of Texas against the Longhorns. See? Uh, what about all the heroics of, of Patrick Mahomes? I mean, that guy's a magician and backing it up in the NFL. But see, these are memorable events. Uh, and these have all left a lasting impression upon us. They're unforgettable. Memories that we'll always keep. And such is the story that I want to tell you tonight. I want to tell you about the biggest moment in the history of the University of Southern California's football team and the biggest moment in the history of that team's uh, uh, football. It, it's not a Hail Mary pass. It wasn't a last second, you know, run for a touchdown. It wasn't a trophy host. You know, it wasn't a national championship. It wasn't a Gatorade drench coach. It was none of these types of things. But an event that happened in a game is an event that I believe that deserves a spot in the Hall of Fame. And it was not a game-winning pass. So, if given the chance to just kind of stand on the sidelines and to watch one moment of that storied program, a program that began in 1880, I would have to select a game that occurred in 2017 some four years ago, when USC played Western Michigan. With three minutes, 13 seconds left to go in the game. We're in the fourth quarter. USC has intercepted a pass. It's gone for a touchdown, and they take a 48-31 to lead. So what usually happens? A few of the 61,125 fans, they begin walking to the exits of the Los Angeles Memorial Coliseum. The rest of the game, well, it just appeared to be a formality. But it was then that head coach Clay Helton, he shouted for Jake Oson, a red short, red shirt sophomore, to take the field. Jake was going to deep snap the football for the extra point. Now, what makes this moment so historic and what makes it unforgettable it's not that a player was called off of the bench. The unique stand-up and watch this play was that the player was totally blind. Jake Oson trots out onto the field that was to him cast in midnight black. He couldn't see the faces of all of his teammates, the other USC Trojans, standing there in the huddle. He was unable to see all of the teammates lined up on the sidelines, all standing, all watching. He had no vision of the coaches who, themselves with blurry eyes, with tight throats, knew that they were watching a dream come true. Jake Olson's journey toward this game began at the age of ten months when Jake lost his left eye, to retinal cancer. The cancer returned when he was 12 years old. 
And doctors determined that the only way that they could contain the cancer, well, they were going to have to remove the right eye also. So, Pete Carroll, he was the USC head coach at the time. He was a mutual friend of the Olsen family, contacted him and told him about this boy who had a life, who was a lifelong Trojan fan and he was about to lose his sight. So, Coach Carroll set out to fill Jake's head with USC football memories. He arranged for Jake to meet players. He arranged for Jake to participate in pre- and post-game practice huddles and to hold the traditional band leader's sword and to direct the band after the game. Jake even got to travel with the team to Notre Dame. And then came the darkness. When he was healthy enough to attend a team practice after surgery, he was welcomed while you would have thought he had won the Heisman. When Carroll took the head coaching job in the NFL with the Seattle Seahawks, he invited Olsen to join the team on the sidelines for one of their games. And that's when the center for the team, for the Seattle Seahawks, he asked Jake if he had ever deep-snapped a football. You see, blindness, well, that could keep Jake from throwing, from tackling, from blocking, from catching. But, you know, launching a ball between your legs to a holder eight yards away, well, that's a different story. So Olsen learned to do it. And he made it his dream to play in at least one USC football game. Now, in order to make it happen, the coaches of the two teams, well, they had to have a talk. The Western Michigan squad, they agreed not to crush Olsen with some blitzing linebacker. And the USC coaching staff, they agreed to only use Olsen after the game was out of reach for one of the two teams. The school cleared the decision with the Pac-12 conference. Jake suits up and he waits for his opportunity. Now, for most of the game, it appeared that Olsen's moment was going to be in doubt. The score is 14 to 14 at the half. It was 21 to 21 at the end of the third quarter. And with six minutes to go in the game, well, they were still knotted up 28 to 28. But then USC catches fire. Uh, Western Michigan makes a couple of mistakes and USC scores three times and they put the game out of reach. It was then that Coach Helton called timeout. Three minutes, 13 seconds left in the game. Olsen takes a couple of practice snaps and while he warms up, Helton, well, he signals to the Western Michigan coach, he signaled to his team. Every player on both sides of the field, well, they perked up. The official, he was also in on the drama, and he spotted the ball, he placed his hand on Jake's back, and he stepped out of the way, and he whistled for the play to begin. Now, at that moment, there were no competitors. There were no opposing sides. There were no winners. There were no losers. There was only one player overcoming a massive handicap. And everyone was rooting for him. In the history of college football, the game, one of thousands. The moment, however, was one in a million. On cue, Olsen spiraled a perfect snap. The ball was placed. 
The kick was good. And Jake, he's mobbed by his teammates. Perhaps the greatest extra point in the history of the USC Trojans. Now, we love stories like that, don't we? We do. And the word that captures the way that such events make us feel is happy. We get excited. We're thrilled. Are we not overwhelmed with joy? I mean, the moment, when you think about it, is priceless. And we were not even there. I mean, we weren't in the stands that day. I mean, I doubt if we even saw it on TV. We didn't see the snap. We didn't witness the kick. And yet it makes us happy just to hear about it. Happiness. Happiness has a way of cascading forth when humanity is unselfish enough to help others have their moment. And gratefully, we can replicate such moments any time of the day, any place on this earth. Now, you might ask, well, how can we do that? Well, serve someone. Greet someone. How about just listening to someone's story? Maybe as simple as writing a check. Maybe it's just watching a child eat an ice cream cone. Write someone a note. Give of your time. Share your counsel. Remember a special day in someone else's life. Write a memory on someone's obituary page. Just share your heart. See, make someone happy. It is more blessed to give than it is to receive. Acts 20 and verse 35. It's better to forgive than it is to hold a grudge. It's better to build up than it is to tear down. It's better to include than it is to exclude. And better to seek to understand than it is to disregard. Better to love than it is to hate. So, God has a solution for the ills of our nation. God's solution for the ills of our nation is He just needs a quorum of unselfish, life-giving, God-loving individuals who will just flow through neighborhoods and through businesses and become like a cleansing agent. Become like Mr. Clean. Bring in the good and just flush out the bad. And we can find them in all corners of the globe. They reflect all hues of skin. Some might be liberal. Some might be conservative. Why, some might even be progressive. Rural, metropolitan, young and old. And yet, they're all bound together by this amazing discovery. Happiness is found by giving it away. Now, if anyone is happier than the gift receiver, it is the gift giver. Last year, right before COVID, Moore Sheets and I was having lunch together. He had come down for the Joy Club, which I don't usually go to. So we had lunch together and we get to visit and catch up on things. Well, I was kind of startled because about halfway through the meal, Morris asked me, he said, Joe, out of all of your experiences in life, your years in ministry, your years in being in business and interacting with people, what would you 
think and what would you say would be maybe one thing that would make a difference in a church or in a community that is not now being done? Well, that kind of caught me off guard. I thought for a while, is this a trick question? And I said, Morris, you know, in one word, we need volunteers. We need people who are Christian people who will volunteer outside of the church. We need people who will volunteer in our communities to sit on social agencies, to sit on boards, to interact with the community. We have over a hundred agencies in the city of Lubbock. And rarely do we ever find anybody from the church assisting. Whether it's, you know, Meals on Wheels, whether it's the food bank, or the heart, or whatever it is. We need people who are willing to volunteer. And when you volunteer, in my years of volunteering, prove this up. Serving on various boards. That is, you get to relate and interrelate with other people. You get to hear their views from where they're coming from rather than just talking to the person you sit next to at church every Sunday. You see? You find out where they're coming from and why they believe what they believe and what they do. And it opens up a whole new world for you. Now, let me give you an example. You see, more than anything, when we volunteer, we deliver happiness wherever we serve. I'll give you an example. Tracy and I have a 13-year-old granddaughter. Most of you know her name is Chase. She lives right across the street from us. Chase is 13. But for the past three years, her parents have encouraged her to serve at Impact Lubbock. So you think, a 10-year-old? What are you going to do at Impact Lubbock? Now, she's in all the school activities, all the sports At 13, she's one of the best gymnasts in this town. But yet, her family encourages her to volunteer. So what does she do? Well, I'm just here to help you. I'm just here to serve you. I'm just here to help you get whatever you need. How may I help you? And she's been doing this for three years. I'm just a servant. So she, my own granddaughter, has taught me that we can alter the joy level of hundreds of people. By putting into practice the one another passages that we see scattered all throughout the New Testament, primarily in the Pauline epistles. This is the way to make other people happy. Let me share these with you. There's about 50 of them. I'll just share 10 of them with you. Encourage one another. First Thessalonians 5 and verse 11. Bear with one another their weaknesses. Ephesians 4 in verse 2. Regard one another as more important than you are. Philippians 2 in verse 4. Greet one another. Romans 16.16. Pray for one another. James 5.16. Serve one another. Galatians 5.13. Accept one another. Romans 15 and 7. Admonish, impart spiritual truth positive truth into other people's lives. Colossians 3.16 Forgive one another as we saw last week in the story of Buster. 
as Jesus taught in Ephesians 4.32. It's for us to forgive as quickly and as thoroughly as God in Christ has already forgiven you. And then love one another. 1 John 3 in verse 11. So how can we bring happiness into the lives of others? Well, we just pray for people. We serve more. And we practice patience. And we bring out the best in people. How about just keeping a journal of all of your encounters with people throughout a day, throughout a week, throughout a month? To me, my granddaughter is a living example. I went through these ten one another passages that I just shared with you. She practices every one of them at 13. She prays for her classmates in their face. She encourages one another. She wouldn't dare think that she was better than someone else. She's quick to forgive and she loves others. So, you might ask, well then, well, what do I do? Because I'm sure you're probably thinking that. Well, what do you do? Well, let me tell you. I'll just share with you a few personal experiences. I can't do what I used to do, but that's not an excuse to just do nothing. I write letters of encouragement to people. That's personal. It's private. But it encourages them. After I pray for them, I share with them what I've been praying for and specifically lay it out to them. For years, we've sent checks to a group of elderly people, aged widows, the poor, that we happen to know in the Dallas area. These are very special people to us. It's to help with their prescriptions, their utility bills, maybe to buy groceries. I go over to Wedgwood. You know, that's just a retirement facility just a few blocks from where we live. I visit a 96-year-old World War II veteran, a Messianic Jew that was a professor of Bible for 28 years at ENMU. I took some classes from him. What an inspiration to sit and listen to Dr. Steve Eckstein and to share some of the memories that he has. I continue to mentor uh, guys in the construction industry. I And if I go to visit someone in the hospital... I pray for them. I don't care if a nurse comes in or if the doctor comes in. So what? They can either join in the prayer or they can be silent. I give words of encouragement to the Emilys down at Walmart. Let me tell you about Emily. One day I purchased a few things and Emily checked me out. And I looked at her and I knew something wasn't right. And after the transaction was complete, I looked at her and I said, Emily, I want to thank you today for helping me. I really appreciate your assistance. I appreciate you sacking up all of the things that I purchased. Emily turned her head. She had tears in her eyes. Emily said, thank you. I really needed that. You ever go out to eat? We go out to eat. Ever go on Sunday? We do. Have you ever listened? Because you know there's a lot of Christians in there. You can tell by the way they dress, the way they act, who they are. You know what's surprising? Sometimes 
Christians can be the most demanding, impatient people on the planet. Encourage one another. Encourage that server. Thank them for their service. Be kind to them. How many times has a server said, Thank you. I needed that. It's already been a hard day. And then some Christians to leave a track for their service. Wouldn't you consider that an insult? I would if I was a server. Do you have any idea how hard they work? I've had granddaughters who've worked as servers. I know how hard it is. I have family members that are way up in the restaurant business and to tell you how hard and how difficult their job is. And then some people just leave them a track for their service. If you want them to have a track, then hand it to them and say, here's why I'm giving you this track. I read it. I found it interesting. I thought after you shared your story, you listened to them. I thought you might find this interesting. It doesn't pay for your service that you received. When Tracy goes over to the United Grocery Market Street, I used to go with her. I don't go anymore. I mean, that turned into a two to three hour deal over there. I mean, I'm not kidding you. And I mean, we weren't eating food either, you know, going, you know, trying everything out. When Tracy goes to the Market Street, it's who can I help today? Who can I assist? Who can I help with some? Who can I bring a little sunshine into their life? She might find an elderly old gentleman standing there staring at the hamburger helper. You know what he's thinking. May I suggest how you might make that yummy? Or someone needs help reaching something or finding something. You want to assist somebody? Go back to the produce department. There's always somebody that needs help trying to find a ripe watermelon, a ripe cantaloupe, the best peaches, the sweetest tomatoes, or, you know, the best apple or whatever. And she's there to help them. Recently, she had a supervisor come up and tell her, Mrs. Stettheimer, they knew her name. Mrs. Stettheimer, we have you on video. We video you when you come in because we have noticed you engage with people. You engage with the elderly. You're helpful. And that's what we're trying to teach our employees. And we use the video as a training tool to teach others. You see, they need a kind word rather than, you're in my way. Or, hmm, I see you must have more than 20 items in your basket. You need to be in another lane. We have multiple encounters with people every day. Get in a habit of encouraging, of forgiving, 
a blessing. And blessing is not saying, bless you. Blessing is speaking the blessing. How do you want to bless them? So that they will know and they won't forget. And when you do, well, you'll become the equivalent of an ice cream truck in your world. So you say, well, what's that all about? Let me explain. An ice cream truck used to visit my neighborhood when I was a kid. To this very day, trust me. I mean, when I hear that sound, when the saints go marching in or whatever it happens to be playing, you can't mistake it for anything else. You know it's the ice cream truck. And my mouth begins to water and I'm checking my pockets for some change for a couple of bucks or whatever. And when I heard that music, I knew what to do. And I wasn't alone. Kids came from everywhere. Little League parks, backyards, play yards. I mean, houses used to empty with youngsters like the Skylink does down at DFW Airport. I mean, it's just people pouring out from everywhere. I mean, they're pedaling their bikes. They'd shove their scooters. They, they ran like crazy. The ice cream truck, it was in the neighborhood. I want us to be that ice cream truck. Be the person that others are glad to see. Be the voice that other people want to hear. Drive the happiness truck. One time I had a conversation with God. And I asked God, when I get to heaven, could I be in charge of the Bluebell ice cream? Well, especially when you find it on Texas's Pyramid Food Group, you know. There's no greater feeling than to bring happiness to someone else's life. Be in charge of the happiness truck. And you'll be the one that's smiling the most. Now, some of you drive the happiness truck. I happen to know. Because a year ago this past Christmas, at our big Christmas gathering, what did you guys do? You all got together and you gave Tracy and I and you gave us all those gift cards? How thoughtful was that? How kind? How generous? See, you were driving the happiness truck. And then, my goodness, Carol Gary over here? Whoa, you talk about someone who drives the happiness truck wherever she goes. She's always there to help. Linda? My goodness, Linda walks in the room, it just lights up, doesn't it? She's driving the happiness truck. Kay and Gail? Well, I don't know, I have to keep that a secret. Uh, Because they bring me a special treat, and I've just got to keep that between them and me. But to drive the happiness truck. See, you can make someone's unforgettable game. Now, I'll never forget those shut-ins in Dallas. That group of poor people, those really poor people. Poverty, people living in nursing homes, and you cannot imagine the level of poverty that this group that I'm telling you about. That, So, we helped them and have for years and years. And One year, we asked the minister down there if he would just send us a list of every one of them, their names and their addresses. And we sent every one of them 
$100. I know it wasn't very much, but as poor as they are, $100 is quite a bit. Help with their groceries, maybe with their utilities, maybe buy them some medicines. They all send us a thank you note. But one very dear aged little old lady we'll never forget. She says, my wishes come true. All of my life, I've wanted to go to the State Fair of Texas and buy my own cotton candy. Here was an elderly lady, aged. She'd only lived a few blocks from Fair Park all of her life. But she never had a few bucks to go to the State Fair of Texas. She never held in her own hand her own cotton candy. Rehearse the ten one another passages. Live it. And you'll definitely make a difference in someone's life. You know, we are here to help someone else have their unforgettable game. Be the happiness truck. Be the truck that everyone is happy to see. To the world, you may be one person. But to one person, you may be the world. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, when I became Yours, I became Your servant. My soul burns to be used by You as I long to fulfill the purpose that You have given me. Lord Jesus, I submit my life and my dreams to You. I thirst to put a smile on Your face but I also thirst to put a smile on someone else's face, to be a light to someone in this dark world in which we live. Use me as a vessel to pour out Your love and Your kindness on everyone that I encounter. And may the cry of my heart be, Here am I. Use me. In Jesus' name, Amen. Thank you. So there's the unforgettable game. <laughs>